Thank you for checking out this resource from Grace Chapel in Skinny Atlas, New York. If you'd like to find more like this, or you'd like to learn a little bit more about our church, you can do so by going to gconline.org. And now, let's jump into this week's message. Well, we're going to continue in our series on the Holy Spirit, and uh, as we do, uh, last week we began this series and we were talking about the uh, promise of the Spirit, that we are reminded, there's a lot of confusion at times about this, but we are reminded through Scripture, and we unpacked this a little last week, that when we confess Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Spirit of God quickens our hearts, folds us into the family of God, and the Spirit of God dwells within us. We don't have to ask for a second work of grace. He doesn't come later. But at that point of conversion, that point of confession, the Spirit of God comes to dwell within the people of God. It's the baptism of the Spirit. And so as we uh, heard that, we, we understand that now we have the indwelling presence of the Spirit. What does the Spirit of God do within us? What's his role? What's his purpose? What does that look like for us as the people of God? We're going to unpack part of that today, but I'm going to be honest, this is not going to be exhaustive today. There are a lot of different aspects that over the next few weeks that we will continue to press into, but I do want to uh, take an opportunity today to look at the purpose of the Spirit of God. There are four words I'm going to give you today. Empowerment. That's the first one. Involvement is the second. Enlightenment is the third. And the fourth is encouragement. So those four things we see is an active way that the Spirit of God works within the people of God. I'm going to take you to some passages that mainly Jesus speaks as he talks about the Spirit's role and his purpose within the people of God. So the first one is Acts chapter 1, and we'll look at verses 6 through 8. And here we're going to see that the Holy Spirit empowers believers, not just somehow we become powerful in this, he empowers us for the mission that he has called us to. Look at what he says in Acts chapter 1. Verses 6 through 8. It says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of, to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the season that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, last week, remember, we said this, that Jesus told the disciples, go to Jerusalem, but don't depart until you receive the Spirit of God, because it's going to be futile. If you try to accomplish the will of God and the power of your flesh, you're going to fail. How many have been there? Been there, done that. What we see here is he reminds them that the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God is there to empower us to accomplish the mission he's called us to. So the disciples are on the precipice of, of beginning to share the gospel with the known world. Listen, they saw the risen Jesus. 
There was a lot within their flesh. They're like, well, we'll die for you. We, we know that you're risen. He even said, after all of that, you need to be empowered for this mission because you can't do it on your own. We got to remember, this is not just our mission. This is the God who created us, who gives us life. Everyone who has been born bears the image of God, and this is the mission of God to redeem his people. And here we see this incredible statement that he says, don't do anything. Wait until you receive the power to be my witnesses. And what's a witness do? A witness declares what they have seen, what they've heard, what they've experienced. And so as we go out, oftentimes in the American church, what we do is we say, well, listen, if, if you're going to share Jesus with people, we got to take it through this course or that course or another course. And listen, these courses aren't bad. It's just, let's not start there. Can we start with the fact that just allow the Spirit of God to help you be a witness to how he's changed your life, what I have seen, what I've heard, what I've experienced in my life, I declare to you. That's what Paul did. He said, I know who I was. I know when I met Jesus, and he has forever changed my life, and I'm going to witness to that. You want to share the gospel? That's what we do. That we're a witness to the power of God and the person of God within our life. And I was thinking about this, and I thought, you know what? God has called us. I think he's, he's put this special calling on us to be present in Auburn. Now, this is our Jerusalem, Skinny Atlas, Marcellus in this area. But our Judea next to us is, is Auburn. And we feel that call. We feel that pull to be there and to be present, to have a gospel presence. As I was reading this, this passage, I'm reminded what a bad decision, what a wrong move it would be that we would just march forward and try to do things in the power of our own minds, our own abilities, our own flesh. God wants us to first be empowered by the Spirit to accomplish the mission he's called us to. We need that. We need that. I wonder at times if he doesn't release us because we're not ready to really declare and be the witness for him based on not what I know, but the Spirit's work within me. So the first thing is the Holy Spirit empowers us, empowers believers to fulfill the mission of God. Now I want you to go to John chapter 16, and Jesus is speaking here, and we see that the Holy Spirit is involved in advancing the mission of God. This isn't just a man-made mission. This is a divine mission that the Spirit of God is actually involved in. And in John chapter 16, we'll see uh, some beautiful things here. I'm going to actually go back to chapter 15, the last couple verses, 26 and 27. I'll start there, and I'll read this. It says, but when the Helper comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Then in chapter 16, you'll see it up on the screen. It says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogue. Indeed, the time is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. 
But I have said these things to you that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Now, this has got to be great news, right? Jesus is telling the disciples, just so you know, you're going to go through suffering. There's going to be a time where people are actually going to seek to take your life. You're going to give your life for me. And he's, you know, this is really encouraging news. So the disciples are sitting there. I'm, I'm sure they're like, wow, this is big. This is big. This is a moment. And Jesus doesn't go, man, you just, you need to be strong in there, man. You need to, you need to just be prepared for this. This is all just so vitally important. You know what he does? He doesn't spend time focused on them. He spends time in the next few verses, and we'll see, and he points them to the mission. He says, you may give your life, but don't lose sight of the mission. This is what he says. Look, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. And when he comes, listen to his work. He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. And you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So we begin to see the work of the Spirit of God here in this passage in John chapter 16 as Jesus speaks of it. He says that the Spirit of God is advancing the mission of God. And he uses a word. He says that he convicts people concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. That word, that Greek word convict means to expose. It means to convict. means convince. It's If you can think of an attorney who is trying to show that somebody is guilty, they come with a case that at the end of what he says, there's no doubt that that person is guilty. It's to make a compelling argument that something is true. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt the conviction of the Spirit of God in your life? You're going down the wrong road, and you're thinking, yeah, I'm just, uh, everything's cool, and, and you know it's not cool. The Spirit of God is witnessing to your spirit, and you know there's some things that need to change in your life. You ever been there? I think we've all been there at times, and one of the, the purposes, one of the works of the Spirit of God is to stir in the people of God and the people around us to convict us, to convict them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And let me just touch on those three things so that we understand. If if there's no conviction of sin, if we don't understand sin, then we have no reason for a savior, right? If we are the final authority, if we are our own God, and there is... All truth is relative and it's my truth. Then we don't need a God of truth. But if God is who he said he is and he is the God of truth and we understand that we by nature have been born into sin, then what we realize is, listen, I've got sin that needs to be taken care of. I need a rescuer. I need a savior. I need forgiveness. 
And the first thing that we see, the Spirit of God, it says he works in the people to convict them of sin, to make that known. And then he says further, he says, to con convict them of righteousness, understanding that that sin is not the end, but this conviction is there's a rescuer. There's one who is righteous that was able to save us from this sin. Listen, no one can earn their way to heaven. Doesn't matter how morally good you are or how much integrity you have. I don't care how many times you go to church or, or whatever. The, the scriptures tell us none of us can earn our way to God, to heaven. But there was one perfect man, Jesus, the son of God, who became our, same word, righteousness, he did what was right. He was perfect in all his ways. And he died on the cross so that we could have forgiveness and the hope of heaven. So listen to 2 Corinthians 5.1. He says, he made him to, who knew no sin to be our sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He will convict the world of sin. He will convict the world of righteousness, point us to Jesus. And then the last thing he says is he will convict the world of judgment. Judgment. You know, you think about that attorney, convict again. The attorney is making the case. At the end, if the judge puts the gavel down and he says, you're guilty as charged. You know what comes next? They release him. They say, hey, this was great. Go, be your own self. Enjoy life. No. He goes, there's a judgment. There's a price to pay because of this. And so in that moment, the, the Spirit of God reminds us that judgment is also a part of this, convicts us. We're a sinner, convicts us that there's a Savior, but that judgment must be paid. And that judgment Listen, we know this from Scripture, was paid. He, Jesus took our sin, he took our guilt, he took our shame, and he took our judgment. Many of us love John 3, 16, and we're a, we're a nation that loves to talk about the love of God. And we should, because it's amazing. But we don't talk much about judgment. Can we be honest? We don't talk about judgment God forbid if you're in a church and you hear, you know, the word hell. It's like, oh, let's uh, tone it down. Tone it down. And the truth is, you know, right after John 3, 16, two verses later, he says this. And I want you to hear it. He who believes in him, talking about Jesus, is not judged. But he who is not believed has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Listen, a holy God must judge sin. He has to, too. This, this, it goes according to his character and his nature. God must judge sin, but Jesus came to take our sin in our judgment. That's the beautiful story of the gospel. But the Spirit of God goes before us and he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We don't have to convict people. We don't have to play this Holy Spirit like I, I got to make them feel guilty. People feel guilty. 
The Spirit of God is going to stir and they're going to show guilt. But the reality is we need to know that there's hope. That there's a rescuer. There's somebody that took my sin and my judgment. So the purpose of the Spirit, again, is to empower believers to fulfill the mission of God. And he is involved in advancing the mission of God. And the last couple things that I want to point to briefly is this. The Holy Spirit enlightens believers to know and pursue the will of God. The next three verses after those in John 16 speak beautifully about the Spirit's work in the people of God. And I want to look at those. In verses 12 through 15, he says this. Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Listen to what he says here. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I say that he will take what is mine and declare it unto you. It's powerful. He reminds us that the Spirit is here to help us understand truth. We have an issue in our nation. We have a truth problem. And everybody wants to be their own absolute truth. There is no absolute truth. They want to be a relative truth. Whatever is true is true to me. Well, you know, I'll make up all of this. And Scripture says, no, there is an absolute truth, and we must recognize it. That the spirit of truth comes in this moment, and he reminds us this is true and this is right. In John chapter 17, Scripture says that his word is truth. We can trust it. We have voices, we have decisions, we have opinions, we have all of this. And when we go in this moment, we have to say, then what is true in the midst of it? Spirit of God, lead me into your word and teach me. Prompt me by your spirit. Allow me to see through the confusion. Think we have a truth issue in the media? Don't get me started. The reality is we, we are reminded that if we are living as believers, that the Spirit of God indwelling us helps us discern truth. Discern truth. To see through the cloudiness, be able to discern the truth that is there. So the two things that he mentions, that he guides us. He guides us into truth. In the way, a, you know, a, a guide leads a follower follows. And sometimes what we do is we step ahead and we ask God to follow us. And he says, no, pause enough to recognize the Spirit of God's leading in your life. Pause so you say, Spirit of God, lead me. Help me hear you. Help me know you. Help me know what my next step is. And so as we see this, we are reminded of those two things the Spirit of God guides us through his word, and he guides us through his prompting. Have you ever had that moment where you just felt prompted to go maybe share with somebody, to go just care for somebody? And you found out that that wasn't just like a bad taco. It was the reality that in that moment that the Spirit of God was witnessing to your spirit, and he's telling you, go, go reach out to them. 
Man, there are moments in my life where I have failed to respond to that prompting. And then there are moments in my life where I stepped into that prompting. People, listen, there is no denying this. The Spirit of God indwells every believer. If you have confessed Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Spirit of God dwells within you. The question is, are we listening to his leading? Are we listening to his guidance? Are we listening to the truth he wants us to embrace? The last one is this, and I'll say it quick. The Holy Spirit encourages us when we're worn and weary. Have you ever been in a place and you're just like, there's not a person on the planet understands where I am right now. You're worn down, you're discouraged, you're at the end, you feel like that wet noodle. <laughs> you know? Been there. And I want you to hear these verses in Romans chapter 8. Verse 26, it says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us, listen, in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit of God meets us in our weakness and he ministers to us in our weakness. Actually says that he prays, he utters requests before the Father on our behalf. Have you ever had somebody stand up for you? Just stand and say, so-and-so's not saying anything, but I want to say this for them. They're struggling right now, man. They're going through it. I know they're, they're not saying anything, they're not complaining, but this is where they're at. And we need to come around them. We need to love them. We need to support them. We need to encourage them. The Spirit of God does that for us. He meets us in that point of weakness, and he's there to strengthen us, to encourage us to keep on keeping on. We need that, amen? I'm going to give you three things to take away briefly. Listen, because you, you can hear a lot of words. If I could say, if you walked out of here and know three things, this is what they would be. Number one, we cannot live a successful Christian life without the power of the Spirit working in us. It's futile. You're trying in your flesh to do something that God ordained as spiritual, and you're not going to be successful. The Spirit of God indwelling the people of God is the only way that we can accomplish the will of God. we got to get this right. The second thing is this. We need to follow the Spirit's leading and listen to his prompting. This is important. Be aware. A spiritual awareness of the Spirit of God giving us discernment, giving us direction, clarifying truth from error, truth from falsehood, truth from deception. And then the last thing is we need to recognize the Spirit's ministry to us in our weakness. That at that place where no one else understands, there's one who does. Allow the Spirit of God to minister to your heart in that moment. 
quiet yourself before him, recognize that he is advocating for you. He is standing up for you. So God, this morning, we celebrate you in this place. I thank you. You are a good, perfect, and loving God. And that statement that Jesus said, it's to our advantage that he would leave so that the spirit would come and indwell us and empower us and encourage us to accomplish everything that you created us to do, the mission that you have us on to conform us to the image of Jesus. God, help us. Help us recognize the Spirit's presence and the Spirit's work so that we might go in his strength and his power. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.